This is our first session now on 1 Thessalonians 3.11-13. And may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints, with all his saints. What's the uh, immediate context that makes clear what he's up to here? Here's the preceding verse. We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. In other words, we want to come to you and we're telling you that we pray this over and over again so that we can supply what is lacking in your faith. And then he launches into that very prayer, right? And may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. So in verse 10, he was saying, we pray this all the time. And in verse 11 now, he begins that prayer, only it's not quite a prayer, but it is a prayer, isn't it? <laughs> what do we call this? What do we call this when we address a human or a group of humans with you? So we're talking directly to humans, but we say it in a way that we ask God and the Lord to do it. We call it a, a benediction. It's, it's a bi-directional speech, right? Hundreds of services when I was a pastor, I said at the end, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And, and over the years, many people said to me how significant it was that I would look them right in the eye and call down God's blessing. It's a, it's a bidirectional speech. I'm, I'm addressing, and Paul is addressing humans, the Thessalonians, but he's asking God to act while he looks them in the eye. It's a very powerful form of speech. It's very endearing. It's, it's a way of saying, I love you. I'm looking right at you. I want this for you. You are precious to me. But I know God's got to act here, and I'm calling on him to act while I look at you. I love benedictions. That's what we have here. So the first request in the benediction is, get us to Thessalonica, O God. And then two requests for them. So the first one was for him, and then them. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do. And then secondly, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. So two things. God, make Make them increase and abound in love for each other. And God, in that love, would you establish them in, in holiness before you at the coming of the Lord Jesus? 
So, Father, as we just focus for a few more minutes on verse 11, show us the reason that Paul focused on you and on the Lord in appealing that he might arrive in Thessalonica. Show us what this means, I pray, and its implications for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it remarkable, very significant to me, that he would choose to focus the significance or the connotation of God on his fatherhood and the significance and connotation of Jesus on his lordship. You might have thought it would go just the other way. I mean, God is the mighty original power of creation, and he's the sustaining power of the universe. But instead of calling attention to all of that, Paul calls attention to his fatherhood. And remember what Paul means by that. For you know, this is chapter 2, you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and glory. In other words, Paul's emotional connotation of father is one of an encourager of his children, an exhorter of his children. So when, when he takes the trouble to say God and Father here, we know that he wants the, the church, when they think about God now, to think about him as their father, their encouraging father who is going to help Paul get to them to provide what they need. And then you would expect, well, Jesus is the, is the kind and tender and lowly and gentle and patient and intimate one. And that's not what he focuses on. He focuses on the lordship of Jesus. He's, he's lord over Caesar, and he's lord over all the governors. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he is not only the one who died for you, but the one who will fight for you and win. He's lord. So, notice God is Father, Jesus is Lord, and that's the way Paul appeals to them to get him to them. Just a word here about direct. Paul knows the way. He knows the roads or the boats to take to get to Thessalonica. He doesn't need a map. So, he's not asking, Lord, I don't know where it is. I don't know how to get there. That's, that's not the obstacle that he's trying to get them to overcome. Here's the obstacle. 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So when Paul is pleading here to you that God, the Father, and Jesus, the Lord, would direct his way to them. He means, God, shatter the obstacles raised by Satan. Show me, by your power, a way through these obstacles and get me to Thessalonica, I pray. 
You know, there's one other place where this word is used in Paul, only one, and it's right here in Second uh, Thessalonians, and it's in a benediction. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. What does that mean? Direct your hearts to the love of God. It's not like they need a map. They need obstacles removed. Their hearts are not resting in, basking in, reveling in God's love for them, and it, they need to be. And so he's, he's crying out to the Lord to cause their hearts to be at home in the love of God, to successfully find themselves swallowed up in the love of God. So in summary, verse 11 is picking up on verse 10, where the prayer has gone up day and night that he would get there, and he's turning it now into a bi-directional benediction in which he calls down the merciful patience of God the Father and the authority of Jesus to cause them to succeed in getting to the Thessalonians so that these things can happen.